0: Welcome, welcome to Chromacast. This is Chromacast. Hello listeners, Jeff DeVoe here. As promised, this is the full interview with Origin, full of incredibly interesting thoughts on virtual reality, futurism, music production, and life in general. Again, we apologize for the audio quality. We're still working out the kinks for the field recording rig. Bear with us. You'll be hearing music from Origin's Aeroplane EP, which is brand new and you can find on iTunes. Plus, a couple of tracks at the end from Kuru, his previous project with our own Jeff Tovar. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please, please, please send us a review on iTunes and enjoy the interview.
1: Jeff Torre from ChromaCast. I'm here with Jeff DeVoe. Hey, how are you doing? And we are here live with Ryan Origin. Hi everybody. And we would like to ask him a few questions, just catch up with him. He's a good time, a uh, long-time friend of mine and ex-partner in Muse, Kuru, uh, probably a, a few other things that I can't think of right now but uh, I've known him for a while um, so it's really good to see you again. Uh, one of the first things I want to know is, ever since I've known you, you've been a guy who really tries to push the future of sound. Um, back in the days when we first knew each other, coming up uh, in the, the drum and bass, and then we got into uh, House and Techno, one of the things that was really important to you was like, OK, well, is this, does this sound like the future? Right. How are we a part of that? So uh, what is your motivation behind that and how do you
2: stay motivated? Um, I think it, the, that whole like trying to do things that feel or sound like the future comes from two main things that were happened really early in my life. One was uh, video games. So, like I started playing video games when I was literally two and a half years old. It's one of the first things I ever remember doing was playing it in television with my dad. and that kind of turned on this thing for me of like the idea of like digital stimulation and things that like, Creativity in this very like non-natural way that was very literally bright and like shooting his light into your eyes And it was very engaging and uh, that that always kind of flavors everything I do There's like this there's there, there's something that a video game does that it makes you feel in a way that no other kind of medium does and Yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that and then on the second part the other thing that was really influential to me was Getting into into rave music when I was really young, you know what I mean, because you know listening to old breakbeat hardcore when I was 13, 14 years old, I was watching electronic music crystallize. I was watching electronic music become a thing. And you know, when I first started listening to it, it was like house music or like breakbeats. And that was it. And then I got to watch all the forks happen. And I got to watch like drum and bass start to like jump its way out of the breakbeat culture a little bit. And I got to see like acid techno start happening. And then fast forward a few years, and now there's like five different, six different, 10 different genres that are all doing incredible things. And so that train, that idea of like, let's all push art forward together, was really like became the driving force because I wanted to participate. You know what I mean, I, I wanted to, most correctly, I wanted to be the person that could emulate the kind of things that I was having done to me by the music. Like I would listen to music, I'd listen to drum and bass music as it was starting to evolve and hearing people chopping up break beats with samplers and, and doing all these incredible tricks was really stimulating to me and it made me feel like, it's not like video games, it made me feel in a way that nothing else had ever made me feel before. And so part of like the quest for all this thing is i want to be that person for somebody else right like i i want to i want to elicit those kinds of feelings of, of of genuine feeling like you you're hearing something you've never heard before like, you know and feeling like 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 you're part of something and, and, and feeling almost special that like you get this thing that's happening that maybe not everybody gets you know and and that can you know derail into bullshit pretty quickly but at the same time like that's absolutely informed so many of my decisions as far as what I found, find interesting in music and art and, uh, and, and media in general is, does it feel like it's offering me something that I haven't had offered to me before right. that is still in context? Because you can make weird shit just for the sake of making weird shit and funny people do, but there's, being able to iterate on established ideas in a way that feels new is really, really exciting to me. And then you know, to, to, to continue on with the future of sound concept, over the last couple of years, I've been getting into this, this stuff called spatial audio, which I don't know, most people aren't necessarily familiar with, but you've probably experienced it already And One idea would be like, you know, you go to a movie theater and you see an Atmos setup, and, and all the sounds are flying around you. And in The Hobbit, the rain's coming down from the ceiling and it sounds like it's coming down from the ceiling. And that's really exciting, right? But that's also not necessarily very practical. Um, I'm not gonna set up an Atmos rig in my house. I right? just not. It's not. It's not gonna happen. Like they'll sell you an Atmos receiver or whatever, but it's not the same thing. The spatial audio is, is kind of been around for a very long time. It's been a, like the concept's been around since the '60s and '70s. But where we are now is that we have a, a number of different things happening. One, most people experience audio with headphones. Right. That's just how it is now.
1: Especially right? now with,
2: fo- with Especially everything going now. mobile, yep. etc. Et yeah. So spatial audio in. in a number of ways. It's basically a way of creating a 3D sound field within uh, two speakers coming into your ears, right? And it's specifically designed for that. And part of the reason of its resurgence and and current major popularity is that it fits really well with VR. And that VR has, with regard to audio, has two major factors. One. Uh, The the audio is being represented in the scene based on where objects are in the scene and not necessarily like tracks on a mixer So like if there's a radio that's like three feet ahead of you on a table to the right It's like that's gonna sound like it's coming from there, right? Right, right, but the tricky thing with VR is that you have head tracking and so your head's looking around and your gaze can be Determined by you at any given time. So what happens to those sounds, right? If I'm looking straight forward and that radio is to my right the three feet to my right uh, on the floor and I look to the left If the radio's placement in the sound field stayed at the same orientation, (laughs) it would just feel like everything was moving around with me and it wouldn't match the scene anymore, right? So people started realizing okay, well, we have to somehow figure out how to make this audio sound like it's coming from space, even though the user can look any direction they want at any given time, right? So there's a million different ways to spatialize audio. It's like, The trickiest thing, so that technology is there, there's a bunch of different ways to do it, and it's really important. And I also think that there are spatial, I know that there are spatial audio tools that allow you to emulate that kind of thing in just regular stereo music. Because that's the thing that's interesting about spatial audio, right? Spatial audio is conveying a 3D sound field over a stereo image, right? It's the same headphones you've always, you don't need special headphones for it. It's just math and trickery, right? Right. So I've been playing around too with some of the, some of the utilities that allow you to do spatialization of audio in the context of, of just regular music. And it may not necessarily work on a sound system because the sound system doesn't have the same rules as your headphones will right but it's definitely something i'm, I'm interested in, in currently exploring and i find really interesting this is chroma talk to talk a
1: little bit more about the vr i know you're Pretty heavily into VR at the moment, right?
2: Yeah, um yeah VR's has been a major part of my life for a while. My first time doing VR was actually in the mid-90s. I did this thing called Dactyl Nightmare which is like kind of in the VR community like looked at as one of the it's like the Pong of VR. You know I mean? Okay. okay. It's extremely rudimentary. More than half the people that did it got sick. Like they had <laughs> when I did it, they had they had bark bags, like literally right like a stack of them, like right next to the kiosk because it's just so many people would throw up because it was so rudimentary. Okay. Um and so that you know the VR thing is is I'll get a little esoteric here for a minute. Like VR and mixed reality in general, mixed reality meaning augmented reality and virtual reality, etc. etc. It is the next computing platform. You know, I was talking to Jeff a little bit about this before the podcast. Um, the the, the jump that we had in digital audio, right, from when we were recording to mixing desks and using tape and using analog gear, and if I needed a sound, I needed to have a person making that sound I needed to be managed through a desk and had to be recorded through a medium when digital audio happened, all those rules started to just erode. But mm-hmm. like all those, was like, well, okay, I can have 175 tracks and I'm not limited by anything, or I can make this audio go backwards without having to turn the tape heads around. You know, there's all this. New... So fast forward 20 years, and now you've got all these people doing the most unimaginably incredible shit with digital audio and things like Ableton and Bitwig and Logic. It's all so incredibly powerful. Well, VR is the next computing platform, right? So it, it's, it's, it's as big or bigger of a jump from not computers to computers, right? Okay. And okay. so that's where we're sitting right now. And so that absolutely a falls in line with what you can call my, my quest for futurism, or like feeling like I'm pushing something forward, right? Because a computers like are made part of all that, and this is the next platform of computing. But secondarily, um, and this is a little esoteric, but I think that that mixed reality is the the singularity of all forms of creative expression. Everything that you do that you can be, that is a creative impulse can be done in VR. Right. 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 Yeah. So. Dance, architecture, story, music, sound design—all of it—and it's all got that layer of the the person's inside of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we have to, and we have things like spatial audio and, and cr- incredible graphics, and it's a it's a pretty amazing thing. So, to me, I, I'm most interested long-term about what it means for music to exist in that world, both from a experiencing music standpoint and from a creating music standpoint. And there are many utilities and, and programs out there currently that will let you do things like create or playback music in virtual reality. A number of them, stuff like Soundstage, Wave, um, there's a program called Lyra.
0: I was going to ask you, uh, you brought up that question in mind, is there a DAW
2: for VR? There's not a full on DAW. Um, there are things that are doing pieces of what a DAW does. I see. So for example, the Wave uh, is the, probably the most well-known music related VR application right now. And it's more of a social network than it is anything else. Mm. It's a social network return turntables, Oh
0: interesting.
2: You know what I mean? And it occurs in VR and it's very sophisticated and it's very pretty and they have like strange loop doing all the visuals for it and like it's it's extremely sophisticated. And it's really neat, but it's become like an amusement park more than a DAW. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. That's not a criticism, that's just what it is. Yeah. And and they're gonna do very well in that world. And the other the, the other things that were kind of Daw-ish were you have uh, there's a program called Soundstage that um, um, the guy's name is escaping me right now, very, very smart developer, used to work at Disney Imagineering, left the company to do this thing called Soundstage, and Soundstage is basically like a modular synth environment with like step sequencers and like a bunch of gears you connect together and you can do that in VR but also the, the tricky thing about that is that it's still kind of not a DAW. Yeah. Like you're not really gonna make music that you're gonna put out with that thing. You can't sequence anything. Well, you, you know. can sequence with step sequencers, but like that's yeah. not, even that's not really soft. sophisticated step sequencers, like it's gonna be very difficult to do something, yeah. you know, that, that sounds like a tune yeah. and the processing is pretty minimal. And so that you know you could probably do stuff where you started the soundstage and then exported those parts and then put that into a DAW, but I wouldn't want to try to make a tune in that thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And there's other options too. There's there's Lyra. There's a, a company called Lyra. At a, I, don't, I think they're based out of Taiwan, but um, they're they're doing a cool thing. Their Vivex program. Um, I also wanted to say about Soundstage. Soundstage, that program is no longer existing because the developer got hired by Google. Oh. So wow. we're very curious to see what Google's doing, right? Because aren't we all? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Google does a lot of cool stuff that impacts our lives. You know yeah. What I mean? And so I'm, I and they and they have kind of the default. Best loved VR application in tiltbrush I right. mean, yeah. tilt Brush is like that's, right. that's the that's the thing most people have tried, and it's still kind of one of the best things in VR, even though it's probably two years old now. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I think it was a student project. So. The, me going through all that, there's also some options. There's a thing called like Muse Sound, which is in early access on Steam right now, which is a spatial audio DAW, but I think all it really does is allow you to play back audio files and place them in a sphere, so or place them in a space, so that's not necessarily... I mean, I guess you could mix with it, but there's not really a full-on DAW solution. But the the So there's that, but on, on the flip side of that, like what is does it in virtual reality? You know what I mean? Like right. it doesn't, one of the things that the virtual reality, virtual reality industry is running into right now is, is um, and part of like why it's not necessarily the content's not necessarily there yet a lot of the time, is that a lot of people are trying to stick things that make sense on a flat screen into VR. Like the first thing everybody did in VR when it comes to game production is they started making first person shooters. Yeah. And they're just <laughs> fucking everywhere in VR. And it's not necessarily a thing I want to do in VR. The things I find more compelling are like story-based or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Maybe not even action, where it's more of like an experiential thing, right? right. And that, that's just, it, and the point of me saying that is that you have to step into the medium with this stuff. You have to say, all right, well, we're, we're, we're moving forward into this new computing platform, like the old tricks aren't gonna work anymore. Right. The same way that having like a, a 1970s workflow with reason doesn't make any sense, yep. you know what I mean? So, we, so, you know, I'm doing a little bit of development in that world right now to try to make something that steps into the medium and allows people to have access to tools in in a, in a manner that makes sense in virtual reality, right? So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But it's definitely something I'm interested
0: in. Yeah, you can imagine it's kind of like, as if you were to first step into a country that you've never been to. Sure. You know, it's like uh, you, you go and experience the things that you're comfortable with. Yeah, like, you're oh, McDonald's. There,
2: there's McDonald's. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Oh, it tastes the same everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> just a little different. You know? Yeah, right. They might have sushi on the menu, yeah. but, <laughs> but maybe
0: on the next trip you decide to go into um, do some camping or something, something you you know you never experienced. Sure. You learn how to operate in that space sure. as time goes by. Yeah, that,
2: that's absolutely true with, with VR in a lot of ways too. And the other thing that's interesting about that. Is like you think about the connection you have with your computer, right? The computer is like you're inherently disconnected from it.
1: You are listening to Origin on ChromaCast, yeah,
2: right? You are three feet away from it, and it's definitely like taking up your whole vision, but it's not necessarily like it's not interacting with you in, in, a, in a deep way when you're in VR. At least two of your senses are being treated, right, I mean, and at really, least, yeah, more. Right. because right, you have the somewhat emulation of touch, which gets more sophisticated as time goes on. And then you, your vision is just gone. Right? Your vision yeah. and then your vision is is and the and the environment you're in is behaving similarly to the way it would were you there. And so that just throws your equilibrium into a whole thing. There's actually a term for it. It's called presence. And the idea there is that like you forget that you were somewhere else before. Right. Right. That's right. that's a pretty fundamental thing. You know that, that's a that's that's something that is is very difficult to describe, even though I've had to describe it many times, and is, is not really replicable by anything else. You know what I mean? That's that's only available with VR, and that's that's incredibly exciting.
1: Have you had that happen to you a lot after you get out of? <laughs> um,
2: I've I've probably spent three hundred hours in VR by now. Um, spent a lot of time in VR, and there have been times where I've been in my living room here with my vibe set up, and I put on the headset, and it was sunny, and I took the headset off, and it was dark, <laughs> and. Like seven hours had gone by. Wow. And I thought an hour had gone by. Like I genuinely believe like oh, I'm just going to quickly do this thing and then it's like <laughs> the day's over. Wow. Well, so, yeah. And, and also, I'll forget that I am even at home. Yeah. Because you know, it won't matter. Yeah, right. as long as I'm not running into my. You're so
1: enthralled in, in what. You're yeah, doing.
2: yeah. Like, there, what other stimuli? I mean, I'm getting all the stimulus from this this artificial environment. So, like, as far as my brain's concerned, like that's what's happening. Right.
1: right. It's the, it's <laughs> the ultimate escapism, and that's yeah. As humans, it, that that is very important. It's to us.
2: physical escapism, yeah. which is kind of a trip. Like, you're yeah. not there anymore. Right. And so that that to me is like we're just nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Right. I also worked that you know, and that's really exciting It's almost like the beginning of electronic music in that way. Where you look at like. It, it, you look at like really early electronic music, there was like vocals that were out of tune. Oh, yeah. like they yeah. play the whole track and they're out of tune the whole time and that's happy hardcore, you yeah, know what I mean? Happy, like yeah. that's like the sound of that is like, oh, the vocals are off key, it's so awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so we're kind of, we're just exiting that stage now where everyone's like, what the fuck do we do with all this stuff? Yeah. Like, oh, our game makes people puke instantly? I wonder what, you know what I mean? Like, So yeah, that's really exciting to watch all that stuff crystallize and then, you know, you look at what's happening with augmented reality and, and augmented reality is actually gonna probably end up being the thing that you end up using as a Exactly. It's got it's got more um, use in the real world. It's more part. practical. Because like, like, yes. the idea is like, do you want immersion or not? Do you right, want to be right. gone into the thing or do you want to use the thing to exactly. benefit what you're working on? And right. I see a future where it's going to be in, in a very, very near future where you're going to be working with a touch screen yeah. and, and a keyboard and you're going to be doing your thing. And then you have your augmented reality headset on and you need an interface from Photoshop or whatever to come up in 3D and it comes up in 3D and then you're manipulating it. You know? yes. So, like great. I think that's... And then realistically, the thing... VR is going to be around and it's going to be very important, but I think the thing that we're going to end up using every day, just in the same way that it would have been unimaginable for you to have a cell phone in your pocket 10 years ago all the time, like you have to have your cell phone. If you leave the house and you're five miles away from your house and you forgot your phone, you will turn around and go back to your house and get your phone (laughs) and then go. Right? Yes. It's going to be more indispensable than that. Right. It's going to be like woven into the fabric of what it is to be a human in a Metropolis.
1: Right. Well, it's because it's going to be built into more products too around us. It. So it's oh, not of course. just
2: going to be where our
1: phone is our phone. Can't no. leave house without my phone. No, it's, it's an be, extension
2: of the environment. Yeah. So right, exactly. you're turning off a layer of the environment if you don't have your AR headset. Yeah. Exactly. If you
0: don't have that, you don't go to the mall and and you don't get all the extra promos that you right. got.
2: That exactly. Day. Save money. Or <laughs> I, can't, I can't, I can't immediately pull up someone's Facebook profile when I'm talking to them because I forgot right. what their name yes. is. Right. <laughs> and so the problem there is like, uh, bye-bye privacy. Yeah. Right. Well, it's all getting very black mirror. I yeah, think. totally. Totally. Be, yeah, we're, privacy, sadly, is going to be very rare and probably very expensive. Yeah. In the future, that's, right. that's it's going to be a luxury product. It's, a, it's <laughs> <a very rare laughs> way, yeah. So obviously, there's always the dystopian you know, like slant stuff right are computers good or bad yeah i mean, you can't answer that you know what i mean depends on who's using yeah totally it. computer <laughs> technology it doesn't what right? yeah technology is not inherently good or bad and it's the same thing with this mixed reality stuff except it's just way more significant yeah right. I and mean, you think about this flat screen stuff has made like the biggest dent on humanity of pretty much anything and it's only been like 10 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like touch yeah. screens. Like when did you start using your iPhone? Like seven years ago? Exactly. Eight years right. ago? It's like nothing. Yeah. And now we're making this other big jump into this next thing where it's just like, Incredible. it's going to fundamentally reimagine what it is to be a modern human. Yeah. It's just that that window is just getting smaller. Where, totally. Yeah. And like, just just uh, recently, um, Microsoft announced a bunch of mixed reality headsets and you'd be like, 400 bucks. And wow. they're going to run on like a bullshit, like uh, motherboard video card. Oh, like the, the Raspberry Pi or something well, like that? Well, just like whatever your laptop is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just plug it in and use it. You know what I mean? So that's going to bring barrier entry down big time. Mm-hmm. And Apple just announced a, a basic beginning of a strategy. Like it's it's common. It's coming sooner than I think people think it is. Yeah.
0: Jump on the wave or get swallowed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I
2: mean, yeah, I think that you know, like with smartphones, the first couple smartphones were really fucking awkward, right? And and then iPhone happened, and then it like oh, this, now I see how this works. Right. Yeah. Like because Blackberries were cool, but really they were for text. Before. Exactly. Right. That's exa- and that's there, what it was for. Was and text. there were text, there were touch phones before the iPhone, but I don't even know what they are. Right, right. You know what I mean? But I know what the iPhone is. Right. So. Right now we have some augmented reality. we have the Vive and, and the Oculus and, and PSVR which are pretty fairly sophisticated virtual reality systems and you have augmented reality systems out there that are available now too, semi-available, like things like uh, HoloLens, things like that, but those are in the pre-smartphone phase, they're like, they're proofs of concept more than they are platforms and so, you know, what happens in the next couple of years when you have Microsoft putting out these very easy to use, very excessively priced objects and then you're going to have a major boost to development and then there's going to be new stuff and that's kind of where it all starts. So it's coming and that's going to impact people making music yeah, Absolutely.
0: um so kind of want to switch gears a little bit um and i want i have like one of the things i've always like really admired about you is your studio acumen just thanks it's just uh like your your, your songs always sounded better than like 99 of the people that i knew. So, I want you to talk about um, sort of like your current studio setup, what what kind of like techniques you're using, some sure. of your favorite stuff that you've discovered recently, sure. um, some plugins, things of that nature. This will be a minute,
2: but I can do it. I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I know you've got a lot to say about this on this topic. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. So I'll start yeah. with the studio. Currently, um, it's funny, like, there's been this resurgence of hardware over the last five to six years. Like, oh, I've got a modular now, and it's like, yeah. that's really exciting because of the randomness and kind of bespokeness of what comes out of systems like that, you know what I mean? Like, right. the, the, if the cable's a little dirty, it's gonna sound a little different, you know what, <laughs> what I mean? And that's right. really kind of exciting. It's kind of like temperamental, and, and maybe it doesn't work the same way every time. So that's but really exciting.
0: That modular stuff's a little more affordable now, especially with the totally.
2: modular. Totally. There's a bunch of different ways to get into that stuff. So sweet. Man. And so, the, the way my studio is right now, I don't have a modular specifically, but the way I work is very similar to the way I worked when I started making music. When I started making music, I was 13 years old, and I had um, Cubase 3.1, which did not even have digital audio. Yeah. It was a MIDI sequencer. Wow. And so, my setup was I had a Mackie mixer and a sampler and a couple of synthesizers and like a drum machine or something, and all that stuff was getting sequenced on my computer and thrown into a DAP machine through the mixer. And that's how I made tunes. Right, and so you know, fast forward to now, and I've kind of kept that workflow to a degree. Obviously, I'm utilizing all the benefits of digital audio and like fancy computers and stuff, but yeah. it's still like a bunch of hardware making sounds. Yeah. And cool. part of the reason that I like that, and I've always liked that, is that it feels like it's mine. You know what I mean? A for a number of reasons. A, I literally made it. Yeah. And, like because I'm not using presets necessarily, or I'm starting at presets and manipulating them. But then like there's something really satisfying about. A, the sound quality is incredible, if you're capturing it right, but more importantly, the fact that I can touch the thing, yeah. and when I'm touching, and it's not a MIDI controller, it's not like a representation of the thing that like goes through MIDI, it's like I'm, I'm putting my hands on a machine, and mm-hmm. that machine is responding. Yeah. And the knobs, you know, in MIDI, you have 127 steps of modulation that you can do, unless you're talking about pitch band. That's not That's right. very much resolution. No. That's pretty low resolution. Yeah. If I'm grabbing an analog knob, I can put that in infinite number of places. Yeah. So that is an inherently different sound. Yeah. Like, would you like a 128-bit MP3 file? See how that sounds. Right. right. Yeah. So, it's less resolution. You know what I mean? It's le- less steps. Less options. Right. And it's, it's a less accurate representation of what's really going on. So yeah. that has a lot to do with the way my my uh, that I work now is that I, and I use a lot of I still use my Emu Sampler on every single piece of music that I make. And my Emu Sampler is an absolute wreck to try to deal with. It's a, <laughs> I'm using fucking Scuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my still. God. In two thousand seventeen <laughs> I have a scuzzy rig in my studio. Uh, you know what I mean? And oh yeah. but it's for me it's worth, it's worth it, it really. because that you know, to go back to drum and bass for a minute, like that is the sound of drum and bass. Like that's where like that's where you get like the, the Staka and Skynets and like that yeah. quintessential drum and bass and the TVs and the, there's this, totally, there's just quintessential sound to that thing that just sounds like drum and bass and to be honest, it's also cheating shorthand and the reason I say that is that you can take anything, the gridlock taught me this, you can put anything into an emu, roll a low pass over all the way down and it's like an amazing stuff. <laughs> like, it, awesome. it's like, I, he put out a tune a couple years ago that was a breakbeat put into the emu and roll it down to like 70 hertz or 50 hertz or something and that was the baseline of the track. Damn. There's something that happens when the, when the filter gets low that all of a sudden it just brings out all this incredible sub-energy and yeah, there's just nothing else like it. There's uh, nothing else that sounds like it, at least is. not that I've heard. So that's a major, major part of what I'm doing. Um, and. T- Part of it too is the investment, and in, it's so easy when you're using a spreadsheet, you know, or like, like, like Mapleton or Logic or whatever, it's so easy to put so many sounds in there without yeah. a lot of consequence. Absolutely. You can just be like, oh, my snare has nine layers. It's like, okay, well, I, you're trying to get to a better place by doing that, and we all do that. Yeah. But for me, I, I, with the hardware, it's easier for me to go like, all right, I'm going to take this one thing, this picture this one thing, throw it in there, and then I have to, like, I, I, I'm responsible for it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I, I'm, I'm, sense. I'm, I, I've am I'm, made all the effort to bring it into this box. Like, I may as well lean on the tool I have to try to get this thing to sound as good as possible rather than throwing more elements in it has more value
0: because you (laughs) sat there and created it rather than just downloaded it
2: and just threw it in there yeah well even that though because then it's like i'm still going to manipulate it further if i already do that but and my additional point is that there's Part of the reason I feel comfortable doing that is that I know that the tools that I'm going to use in the EMI are going to give me a really good sound, so that makes me feel confident in going, like, I don't need to overcook this. I just need to man- massage this into being the best version of itself. And I find that easier to do when I'm working with hardware, just me personally.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I think you're you're definitely like hitting a nerve with myself too, because I think recently with some of my production, I've been trying to strip it down and, and really get back to the bare basics. Sure. Not only is it like makes the, the sound of the tune cleaner, me for me personally, but I think like the mix down process that's so it much It's really it's so
2: much easier. Cause yeah. You want to juggle 150 balls or 20? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. and again, it comes back to that like responsibility for the sound. Yeah it's like you're, you have you're the it's caretaker yeah. You know what I mean? And so if you've that's got great. 150 children, it gets a little complicated <laughs> now, I'm sure like some Hans Zimmer yes. shit is a different story. You know what I mean? And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking sure. about like making effective dancing about the stuff you like the best. Yeah. It's rarely super complicated. Sure, rarely. It's true. It's it's very a cool. lot of the time there's like nothing in it and yeah. it just works for whatever reason. You always listen to him and go, I could have made that. Yeah, right. And then you try to and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that goes back to the sound source thing in the first place. Like part of the reason I work with hardware too is that like it just fucking sounds better. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have to do as much and so I can have less sounds in my song. Which makes it easier, right? Um, as far as uh, things like plugins, Well, and techniques too, you know, my friend Pat Mundy taught me a really amazing trick that I use all the time now, and it seems so simple, but I use it on everything. So like we're all sidechaining, right? Sidechaining is a thing, all over the place. And many, many Dynamics plugins have the ability to put in release or attack time in milliseconds, right? So, Pat Mundy taught me this trick and it's, it's so good. Anything that has to do with compression or side chaining or whatever, let's say like I set up a sidechain compressor on something and my release times it 84 milliseconds, right? And that, because I set it by hand and it's like, all right, that sounds about right to, to what I'm having in mind to try and have the sidechain do. Right. So, what Mundy taught me, maybe this is basic, but it works for me. You look up a delay time calculator, Mm -hmm. based on your tempo, and then you find the nearest number that's actually in time and set it to that, Totally right? And the thing that's interesting about that is that you multiply that times multiple devices across multiple tracks, and all of a sudden your whole tune has this Mm -hmm. cohesion that it wouldn't have had necessarily before. Mm-hmm. And it makes a way bigger difference than you think. And the more things you do it to, the bigger difference it makes. Wow. And I'm more of a fan of like, kind of side chaining as a tool rather than effect, yeah. right? Like I, I like it to get sounds in place rather than like a big electro house wobble or something. And um, it really, it really opens up the mix and makes life so much easier. And it's easy to do, like there's a for live device that will spit out like a bunch of different uh, delay times for you just throw further master and look at it.
0: It's funny um, that you bring that up because a couple, like last year, I was talking with Joe S about this topic, and he's like, "Could you calculate like all the delay times for different tempos?" And so I did like an Excel spreadsheet oh, no. of all of them. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that's so that's really interesting that you bring it up now. Like I haven't used it since I like set it up for Joey. It. Now I need to try that. <laughs> the,
2: the, you know, you can do. You can look at it in two different ways. Like <laughs> you can look at it as like here's all the numbers that I know will work let's try a bunch of them until something happens. Sure. But the way I tend to do it is I'll set it to where I think it sounds right and then just go to the nearest number. And if that doesn't work, go to the adjacent number. Yeah, right. And like usually like off. one or two steps it works. That's and it's cool. almost always better. That's amazing. And it's subtle, it's not like this huge change, but again, it's, it's the multi- multiplicative factor where it's like there's, there's so much of this cohesion going on yeah. that the whole thing just sounds higher. Yeah. So that's been, a, that's been something I use just like quite a ball now on pretty much anything with a millisecond finish. That's really like, cool. You know, I, one out of 50 times I'll be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But most of the time I'm using that. So that's a big one. Um, awesome. What am I using a lot of right now? As far as plugins, like the only digital synth I use or computer synth that I use is Serum. Mm. Um, I really like Serum. I, the thing I like about Serum is that um, it's most synths are extremely flexible. This just feels more flexible than yeah most things. There's so many ways, I mean, there's a pack I got recently that's just using the noise oscillator as a sample playback device. Wow. So it's like no oscillators, just a sample player, But they have they just put these incredible samples in there, and now you have this like sampler that runs through Serum. Right? So that's pretty neat. That's so cool. it's extremely flexible. I really like that thing. Um, other plugins I lean on constantly. Um, my favorite reverb right now is this thing called RP-Verb by Rob Papen. Oh. It's um, just absolutely beautiful reverb. I love that thing. I use it like, it's pretty much the only reverb right now.
1: He's it's, got a Subboom face yeah. Okay. Yeah. and yep. a ton of other things. Yeah. Other stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah, he's great. Um, and then I use the Sound Toy stuff I really like. I'm just addicted to their shit. And um, for mixing, I've been using the Slate stuff a lot. I oh, yeah. They, they make really, really good products. I have
0: their all, all I thought,
2: the total bundles. They're great. I mean, the somebody brought up to me the criticism of it, which is fair, is that it's kind of how their stuff's very colored. So, like, if yeah. you take the plug in and turn it on a track and don't do anything, it's going to change the sound. But I usually find it pleasurable. Yeah. You know I mean? they, it gives you that analog sound. Yeah, it sounds that's nice. Fine. Like and it's just it's a nice it's a, it's a nice sounding suite of stuff. I get the results I want out of it. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um that's incredible. Um
0: there's a lot to take in right there. So sure. anybody <laughs> who's like is interested in production, I highly suggest that you check out all of that stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> You are in tune to ChromaCast. Chromacast. How would we find your music? Where can we find you online? And all that stuff. When are you playing next? Because you guys got to go see this man play. His
2: music's incredible. Thanks, man. Lay it on us. So you can find me at at RyanOrigin pretty much everywhere, Um, all the social medias and SoundCloud. Um, I've got a gig coming up for uh, Synaptic Events on the July 14th at Union. I think it's going to be me and Stefan Jacobs and this guy Am from uh, AMD from Hungary. He's an awesome guy. Fellow Ableton certified trainer as well. Um, he's pretty cool. I, run a, um, I help run an education program in downtown LA. Uh, um, we have an Ableton certified training center at Relativity School in downtown at this beautiful facility and we do a thing called electronic music sessions. Uh, That's a 12-week program. You can learn more about that at com, I believe. Or you can go to, actually more correctly, you can go to uh, relativityworkshops.org slash EMS. Um, We're doing some really fun stuff there. One thing I wanted to add with that is we have a new thing that i haven't seen done anywhere else in any other audio school we're using something called a dante system and dante is audio over ethernet and so what that lets us do is um the teacher laptop is connected to the, to the network via ethernet and the teacher laptop broadcasts all the audio lossless with no latency to all the individual student computers wow and then the students are using uh, odyssey headphones which we give them for free and sub packs and then push to. so the idea is like i will teach like we've had to reimagine re- how we teach people things because what we can do is we can say alright I'm gonna make this bass sound and you're hearing it One and then it's going into your Ableton session and it's playing through your playback system and then when the students need to do something they just start doing it and there's no switch so every five minutes I can be like do this and they do it and then I give them something else and they can do that and they can compare it one-to-one because yeah. it's not coming from speakers across the room right it's coming into the sound system that they're already using the high awesome. fidelity sound system so that's been a really interesting problem because now we have to really look at very fundamentally differently how we're teaching people oh, yeah. and so that's been a really yeah, fun thing huge, to figure out it's a huge change it's, it's a big huge. change yeah. and, it, and it, it sounds beautiful and, and it really solves the problem of, like classroom monitoring has been just garbage except for places like you know universities or like places like icon collective that's yeah. actually housed within a proper studio yeah. hearing what the hell's going on in a class is really awesome. really difficult you yeah. get those amazing ceiling speakers yeah right or something Totally. It's Awful. Ne- it's never a good situation. Yeah. And it's not realistic to to outfit a, a big classroom in a big fancy studio facility no, with like with like not. fifty thousand dollars worth of acoustic treatment. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. so yeah, that's been really neat. Um, what else? Uh, I did a new record with uh, Trevor Moontribe from Desert Rollers. It's going to be debuted at Sonic Bloom this weekend, so that's going to be really cool. Um, that'll be, I'm not sure who's going to be putting that out. I just had a release come out on Moody Music out of San Francisco, an uh, airplane EP. Uh, Amazing
1: Jeff, EP, yeah, by the really, way. Really, really good. EP. You guys need to get all of that. Yeah,
2: check that out at, uh, at Moody Music, M-U-T-I music.com. Uh, Jeff Tovar did the art for it, so that was really cool. Um, he's done the, the art for the last couple of a collaboration. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, uh, yeah. Jeff and, uh, and my friend Keith Anderson, Fractal Visions, did the art for it, and they've done the art for my last two releases so that's been really cool and yeah so check me out at uh, at union on the 14th for synaptic and um coming to a city near you at some point yeah
0: very nice
1: yeah definitely follow this guy anywhere you can on social media um, very inspiring you you, you can you, you're pretty diligent about posting you know where you're at and what you're doing sure yeah i, yeah. Follow, I see a lot of your, your classroom stuff from, you, I'm always like, I should be there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I should probably do that at some point. But, you should yeah. come on it, man. Yeah, no,
0: I know. Really sit in sometime. I, I really should. I sat in on a, a couple of those workshops, and they were absolutely great. And this was right at the beginning. You're right, right, Now it it's like now. way yeah. different. So Did we even have Push then? No. Yeah. No, it was just um, the Audis headphones. Just headphones and stuff actually.
2: Yep, that was it. Yeah. Which yeah. was even, that's that even that's amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I want people, like... I don't want to have theoretical conversations with yes. my students about stuff. I want yeah. to be like, look what this does, Exactly. experience what this does, and you now know the, pe- the what yeah. you can do with it. It's the exactly. best way to learn. Yeah, totally. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, having to hear somebody adjust a compressor on speakers halfway across the room is really frustrating. Yeah. It's like, he moved the knob like <laughs> 4%. How am I, I don't even understand what just happened. Yeah. When that 4% could be like super important to right? be able to perceive that stuff. Right. Well, there's we- so many people that...
1: Learning by theory, this doesn't work for them. Sure, like yeah. you
2: need you need that tactile yeah. response. I think you need everything. both. Yeah. I think you need to understand what the thing is, but then you like, because it has a function. Right. That you have to appreciate that function in a meaningful way. I think, yeah. and yeah. that's that. Hopefully, what we're offering. That's mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks a lot, Ryan, for coming on the show, and thank
0: you for this uh, mix that everyone's about to hear. We're really excited uh, to talk to you, and really excited to know you. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for friends. having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. And let's get into the mix. Thank you for listening. Find us on the web at thisischromacast.com.